and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. We're hoping that this episode will come to you as you prepare um, your Holy Week celebrations uh, specifically. Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, maybe an Easter vigil, and then of course Easter Sunday, the highlight of the Christian year and of this, uh, this most holiest of weeks. And we kind of wanted just to give a quick little, maybe a half an hour episode uh, just to get you thinking about something about the passion of Christ and his resurrection. And I think maybe if there is going to be a theme of this half hour, it's going to be for you. Um, Monday, Thursday was for you. Good Friday was for you. And Easter Sunday was for you. So um, we can maybe start off with some general things to think about uh, um, about Holy Week in general, and then maybe go through each of those, at least those three days, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter Sunday. And so maybe we can just go around and say, maybe what's one thing to think about when we uh, uh, enter into this Holy Week celebration? Wade, why don't you start with us? Well, and real quick, before we do that, I just want to mention, if you're looking for a little bit more extensive treatment of Holy Week, we did an episode last year with Pastor John Bordlin. It's episode 52, so go and listen to that, or go and listen to that as well as this one, whatever you want to do. You know, we're not we're not here to tell you what to do, but that one is entitled Holy Week and Easter 2, so like the second week of Easter. Um, that is episode 52, letthebirdfly.com slash 52 if you're looking for it on our website. Now, Wade. Well, excellent. I think um, the big thing that would come to mind for me is Holy Week oftentimes is a, a really busy time, and we almost need a mini vacation after Holy Week. Um, I think of pastors, you're writing a bunch of sermons for this week, or you're at least outlining or hopefully thinking them through. Uh, whether you want dusting to... dusting them off. Yeah. <laughs> whether you want to or not, you're thinking about what will the numbers be, who all will be there, will this person or that person be there. Will it be snowing? Um, yeah, this, yeah, will it be snowing <laughs> like it is today here in Wisconsin on Palm Sunday? Um, you're thinking about, will the services go well? These tend to be different services than your normal Sunday service. Um, there's a lot of logistics involved. Maybe you got to find people to strip the altar on Monday, Thursday. Um, maybe you have a lot of musicians involved for Easter Sunday. Uh, for people in the pews, you're maybe um, praying you can get your family there for stuff. Um, will that one child or spouse or relative or friend who's probably going to pitch a fit about going go, will you be able to have all your family together? Um, do the kids have their Easter clothes, um, the new dress or the you know the little suit, uh, depending on, uh, I don't know what you put your clothes in or what your kids in, are wearing for Easter. Um, but it can become, for a good reason, because it's one of the most important weeks of the church here, it can become a, a very busy week, and we worry a lot about doing Holy Week right and what we're bringing to Holy Week. Maybe you're the, one of the volunteers at church, and and you're going to live at church kind of this week. You're going to be there a lot. You're helping to make sure everything's set up, bulletins are run off, greeting people. Playing the uh, organ. Will the community be interested? Uh, maybe there's an Easter egg hunt, whatever the case may be. And uh, so I guess my big thought would be, to remember where the holiness and Holy Week comes from, that at the end of the week, um, just as uh, man was not created for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath for man, this Holy Week really is the church's gift to us. It, it begs us, pleads with us to step out of all the busyness. There's things that have to be done, but to not let the busyness take over. Um, and to uh, there's a lot of things to see. We're going to see Christ do a lot of things 
in these passion readings. Uh, and I have chapel on Wednesday, and kind of my plea with people in chapel on Wednesday too is to make sure in the midst of everything we see, you see the chancel looking different, you see um, Christ betrayed, handed over, suffering, dying, to remember that none of that really does any good unless in the midst of all of it, you see the love of God that drives it, right? That's sometimes the hardest thing to see in all of this. Um, Good Friday, sometimes we can go to Good Friday and we know we should feel bad. Jesus is dying. We're somber. We read all the good things about the terrible things that happened to Jesus, what he endured. Um, But to see behind it the love of God um, that really is the engine of Holy Week. And maybe uh, kind of a little bit flip side of that is we as Christians often kind of lament that um, are maybe there's some cultural things that have been lost. So um, Sunday morning isn't sacred anymore, and so there's always a sporting event that we got to take our kids to, some tournament or whatever. Um, or it may be that uh, Christmas has become commercialized or something like that. But Holy Week, generally speaking, I mean, besides maybe the Easter Bunny, but uh, he's not hes not really as big a threat as Santa Claus, <laughs> um, has remained fairly... Uh, fairly safe from that. Uh, Easter's still Easter, and maybe Good Friday, people have to work, and it used to be a day off. Uh, th- th- that's maybe an encroachment a little bit too. But my encouragement is instead of stop, com- instead of always complaining about how um, society's going to hell in a has- handbasket and making ourselves martyrs when we're not, is maybe take back Holy Week. I mean, be the person that's going to say, hey, you know what, I'm going to try this out. Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter Sunday. This is the week, um, the most important week in the Christian church here by far. Every other Sunday is a mini Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter Sunday. Everything is about this one week. And so uh, in a positive way, not in a law way, uh, take it back. Um, And the way you can take that back is maybe by being serious about this, by taking a breather from all of those other things. And uh, yeah, it's a lot of church, but you know what? Embrace it and, and say, this is something different. This is something special. And uh, it's hard to do, but that would be my encouragement is just to kind of sit back and say, you know what? This is our week. This is this is the church's week. And uh, not to be proud of it in a negative way, but to say, you know what? I'm putting... I'm going to be serious about this. That's that's a I think a decent good good attitude. Right. And not that they just see sorry, but not that they just see um, that the church can put on a nice production, but no. that they see what's driving it at all at the end um, is the love of Christ on display. Because visitors will see right through that. Yeah. No. And I was going to say maybe you know find a devotional that you work through so that you're kind of thinking about it throughout the day, so that you're you know thinking about. Monday, Thursday, on Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, and Good Friday, and Holy Saturday, and Holy Saturday, so that you're so that it kind of becomes real. Or if you're more, you know, academically minded, maybe find a um, commentary on the Passion or something like that. But just get get yourself into that, and like you said, like grab it, you know, take it back, make it your own. I think that's a great a great idea and, and good encouragement. So Monday, Thursday, a lot of cool things that do happen in the church service on Monday, Thursday. Maybe there's uh, some feet washing. Maybe there's a stripping of the altar. Um, we like you said, you can go back and listen to that um, episode with uh, Pastor Bordelin to get all those details. But um, maybe I'll ask this question to you guys. I don't know if it's a kind of an awkward way to uh, ask it, but what are you looking forward to on Monday, Thursday? Or what, what have you thought about in the past about Monday, Thursday that, uh, that uh, uh, 
blew you away, kind of you never thought about before. It's something that was very unique about the for you-ness of Monday Thursday. Yeah, I think, I mean, the feet washing is the one, and I don't know that I've been at a congregation that, that has had the standing practice, at least, of, of washing I'll feet. I'll wash your feet on Thursday but, at Nain. Okay, I appreciate that. Tends to be a little I'm just going to bring lice all wipes. Tends to be more of a Roman Catholic thing. Did, was, did you grow up with that way that every Monday, Thursday, there was there would usually be, a bishop yeah. there? Okay. Yeah. No, but the, the idea that Christ as servant, right, come to serve um, God humbling himself not just to become a human being, but to become servant, to become the lowest of them. And even before his disciples, his students, he humbles himself. And thinking about what the disciples are going through, you know, hey, it's Passover. And maybe they had a hint that things were, something was going to happen because he kept hinting at, you know, at it. But it seems like maybe not. <laughs> like they, they certainly didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't know, what, you know, kind of the the gravity of the of the situation in a sense but that they're sitting there thinking you know all right great teacher he just marched into jerusalem and everyone's waving palm branches and throwing coats down and um and uh now we're sitting down and now he's washing our feet and yet you realize for us with the advantage of uh, of the historical perspective we can say oh yeah he was washing his feet and he was preparing to die for all of us he was preparing to to you know metaphorically wash all of our feet um in the sense that to serve us all in a much more grand way. So why don't you make a statue of that and put it on a college campus? Like, like of the divine. Of Christ washing a, the, of yeah, Christ divine, the divine, divine servant. servant. That'd be a great yeah, name. That'd be yeah. a good one, yeah. Um, coming out of Roman Catholicism and the emphasis on Monday, Thursday or Holy Thursday always wasn't that on Christ as suffering servant, which is, is good. One of the things I've always treasured about Monday, Thursday in the Lutheran Church is just the emphasis on the institution of the supper that uh, on this night in which he's betrayed, that Christ gives me this supper of his bread and wine as he goes, uh, of his body and blood with bread and wine, as he goes off to be alone, he gives me this thing that intentionally draws me together with fellow Christians and then takes me up into himself. And so I always think, uh, you know, our church has communion every Sunday and I and I cherish that. But I, I do think... Um, Monday, Thursday for me, just to remember that Christ gives this gift um, and how easily I take it for granted, how easily we can go through the motions of it, of, uh, you know, it's we go and get our styrofoam wafer and cheap Morgan David wine. Um, but that even then, um, his thought was to give this gift, to give this supper to the church. Um, I always treasure that. And then the I would say a custom I had in the parish and that we have at our parish of the stripping of the altar to me always is just a good reminder too. We we have that supper and then the, the altar is stripped for Good Friday and the reminder that um, Christianity is not a religion to keep you from kind of the empty chancel, but it's one that sets that before you too, that there's going to be Suffering, both the unbeliever and the believer is going to suffer. That there's going to be the times where God seems hidden. Um, Christ himself will hear him say on Good Friday, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But as we come to the end of this Lenten journey, um, to see how swept up in the human experience Christ is, um, and uh, we sing something different at the end at Nain, but our choir used to always sing Psalm 88. Um, 
in Michigan at the end. Um, I think that tone at the end is just extremely uh, powerful as it sets the stage for all that follows. Monday, Thursday, you know, we kind of take that for granted for Lutherans. This is not a big tradition in a lot of churches, especially in the American setting. And even in Roman Catholicism, many will make an effort to be there on Good Friday, but Holy Thursday is not nearly as well an attended service as Good Friday or Easter Sunday. And so it's one to me that is uh, to see on that day, as we know with hindsight being 2020, what uh, Jesus is going to go off to do, um, that's still in the midst of that he's giving. And so we go and we stand or we kneel at the altar together um, and receive what he's about to give for us. Um, and then in connection with that, um, you know, that, that the reminder, I guess, that comes, you know, even as Judas is about to go, uh, what gospel is it where, where Jesus addresses him, says, friend, what you must do, do quickly. Um, that even Judas, as we might be, as we have come, however much we've betrayed Jesus in the year as we look back, um, that he says, friend, and what is that? But an impetus to repentance, and we know how that worked out for Judas. Um, but rather like Peter, he he beckons us to, to kind of call and watch, and or he calls to, beckons us to, to watch, and uh, even at the midst of all of it, as, as we look at his love and realize we have not loved like that, he says, just wait, and that, that Easter Sunday, and that's why it's always so sad Easter too, is so empty um, when the readings are so great that with Peter and Thomas we know we'll be Easter too, as in the second week, yeah, of the second Sunday. Of that Easter, we'll be so, we'll yeah. be back and back, even if our Holy Week wasn't as holy as we wanted to make it. Yeah, I think uh, two things real quick, and then we'll move to uh, Good Friday. Uh, when I think about Mond- Monday Thursday, uh, to add to what you two had already mentioned, um, the the first is the idea that Jesus Christ was not satisfied for just this a heroic death in our place, but that he would leave himself for us, and not just a part of himself, but leave himself for us in, in, the, in the supper. And the second thing is just about the story, the whole Monday Thursday night story of Peter is just such a, um, the prime example of a theologian of glory there. I he mean, is, he does really. All I of can these see him doing things. it right. Oh, that, no, that other that, Peter. The other, uh, you know, like... Giving up shaving for Lent. That's a glorious, you know, what right. Jesus hey, must be we, thankful. We'll get to Holy Saturday. Okay. We'll talk about this. Don't do uh, the baby face <laughs> thing for Easter. I always feel bad when you do that, Peter. Um, but Peter doesn't want Jesus to wash his feet. So he shows this very glorious thing called humility. Uh, in, um, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he is brave and courageous, although he has a sword in his hand. Right, cutting off the hair, defending Jesus. He's brave, brave and courageous. He makes these promises, and I, I just keep thinking, how the hell with your promises, Peter? You know, and um, and all of this stuff that he has for Jesus, and each one fails. And Jesus is, I'm not annoyed by it, but maybe he is annoyed by it. But just no, 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 no. Hey, Jesus is no more annoyed by it than he is by all of us when we do the exact same things, right? right. I mean, like that's the right. that's kind of the lesson of Peter, right? Um, I always take. I always look at Peter in uh, juxtaposition with with Judas, 
Peter makes, you know, boneheaded mistakes and, you know, does stupid things and, and rejects him. Judas also feels bad for what he did, right? Right, but with a worldly sorrow, yeah. Right, but what does Peter, what does Peter get? That he gets he, the, absolution, he, he, yeah. the absolution, right? I mean, he's, he goes and, and, you know, recognizing his fault, seeks comfort yeah. in the right place, right? So, I always kind of wish when Jesus had put the, the, um, the ear back on Malchus, you know, that he had said, uh, Peter, he needs that. Faith comes through hearing. <laughs> and, you know, just one last thing with Monday, Thursday, too. You know, we see Jesus in the garden praying. And I think it's an extremely powerful thing when we stop to think about it. Um, when Jesus prays what is one of the top two most difficult petitions in the Lord's Prayer, on Good Friday he'll, he'll pray what's perhaps the most difficult. Um, Father, forgive them, right? Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. But Christianity is the only religion that has God speaking, thy will be done. Mm-hmm. Although if it's possible that this cup pass any other way, um, that God kneels and prays to God, um, I'm really, right, this is not going to be easy, but thy will be done. Um, if there's any more human moment for the divine, right, it's it to me that just always strikes me. And then the our, I think the Lord's prayer should always be connected to Gethsemane because of that. And then when I pray, Thy will be done. I'm whether I'm in the same kind of passionate moment that Christ was. Um, I'm often praying against my own will. Right. Yep. If I pray, Thy will be done. I'm I am praying against my own will. It's a pretty profound thing. And uh, I. I Love that imagery that we we played out when we went through the wing unit session with uh, uh, on the divine service. That um, is there any other way that this cup can be taken away from me? And then um, no. And the Lord's prayer being then connected right with the Pax Domini in the church service. That now here's a chalice that was filled with should have been filled with poison for you, but Jesus drank it to the dregs and yep. now fills it with God's. Fills it with grace. Is his the opposite for you? Peter, Good Friday. What's what do you? What about Good Friday? Good, yeah, yeah. Good Friday is always. I kind of feel like that's like the, the pinnacle of Lent in a way. Like you kind of come to it, and it's like this is what we've been preparing for, and now we see Christ hanging there in a tree. It's it's honestly one of the most powerful services in in my experience, um, and uh, I always feel like it's you know I, I get I get excited about it, and it's a, in a kind of a depressing way because you get uh, you, you realize you know what what you're celebrating is the death of God himself and the death because of me. It's bad enough that God has to die. It's, it's, it's kind of hard to take when it's because of me, right? right? Um, but of course, it doesn't end there. We don't stop there, right? And so Good Friday can be joyful even in, even in that moment as we kind of remember, you know, from Ash Wednesday to Good Friday that, you know, we are from dust and to dust we will return. Jesus came. He had to die for us. He's because crowned of what with we've our done. curse. You know, right. Adam's curse is thorns, and he wears. And yet, all of this, we wouldn't we wouldn't talk about this at all if Jesus didn't rise from the dead and 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 you know give us His righteousness in that way. We wouldn't talk because it would be meaningless. It would be it would be really just depressing. Maybe if we were just you know goths and we wanted to just be depressed about it, we would do that. But it's not. I mean, so there's actually this joy. Um, kind of this pensive joy in Good Friday for me, at least. I always, I always love it. I love walking out in silence, lights dimmed, um, even with little That's kids. Especially though, when like Beatrice yells something. Right. No, I was gonna say even with little kids that that kind of break it all up. It's wonderful to be able to tell them. It it it, it kind of forces on you the 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 
the responsibility to explain to them why we're doing this, right? That's probably there, maybe Christmas Eve. Other than Christmas Eve, it's probably Good Friday is the most memorable for children, even more yeah. so than Easter Sunday. Yeah. Um, because it is so different, and it should be different, so... And I think we're just, we live in a day and age where silence is not something we're used to. Um, and how striking that silence is at the end of the service. You know, we're, we're bombarded by sound. And to be intentionally silent, awkwardly silent almost. So you're so used to, I'm going to greet Pastor now. When I, I'm going to get to the narthex and talk. But like you said, Peter, I like that you went right there. What we're silent at is the death of God. And we sometimes uh, don't appreciate that enough. You know, there's the hymn in the hymnal, I think it's 117, and it says, God's sorrow, dread, God's son is dead. And that's not what the German says. The German is, O grosso note, God selbst is tot. God himself is dead. And, you know, Nietzsche in a different way, and people always get wrong what Nietzsche meant by this. Like, I get so sick of people mischaracterizing what Nietzsche was saying there. He didn't see the death of God as a good thing. Um Nietzsche thinks this is a void we have to fill with something, but uh, but God is dead, right? God sheds his own blood, and now, yes, God can never truly die, but this is what the cross does, right? This is everything's on its head, and uh, you know, we often say, well, where is God, or what, what if God came? Well, we'd kill him again. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's just what we do, but uh, why do we call it good? I mean... What an insulting thing could you imagine, like, Jesus hanging on the cross and being like, this is a good Friday. <laughs> hey, uh, Jesus, good Friday. But that we call it good. Well, why do we call it good? Because we see true goodness on display. And some of your favorite TV shows and some of your favorite movies, maybe not even intentionally, though, play out these themes of, right, the good, self-giving for another. Um, the soldier jumps on the grenade for his friends. Well, here God comes and sets full goodness on display. And, and that's where, um, yes, pastors preach the vicarious atonement. That's important, penal substitution. God punishes in Christ what he won't punish to us. But there's something powerful when you preach that in the way that Mike was getting at before. Christ drinks the cup to the dregs. He empties it all of that wrath. And then he gives a cup of, of love and of grace. It's Good Friday because God's goodness, God's love is... Uh, is on full display, and it, it it can become trite. People, you know, say nails didn't hold him to his to the cross; his love did. But that is absolutely true. I mean, he tells Pilate as much. Angels could come and stop this mm -hmm. if I wanted. He tells Peter that too, right? Yeah, and if there's ever a day the world should just stop and think, a good hard think, as Mom used to tell me, I should have some. <laughs> um, it's God's Mom, if love. You're, if on you're listening, you should have said it more often. It's not just. Jesus punished for our sins. Um, it's Jesus taking us into himself. Jesus um, fully embracing humanity, right? All the world taken up in him, reconciling the world to himself. And that's where sometimes the Eastern Orthodox can be a little bit fun on this. Um, that we also preach it as, here the love of God for the world and for you is on full display. When he's on that cross, he's on that cross for you. Um, don't just see an angry God who's out to, you know, to, to even the justice versus the mercy. Um, see a loving God who willingly takes, that's where uh, we don't sing it enough, unfortunately, in Lent, but, 
you know, in CW, Sing 100, a lamb comes on complaining for it, goes on complaining for it. Sing, O sacred head now wounded, 105. You know, and in death, be my consolation. This is, uh, this is God's love for me. So it's not just feel sad about it. It's not just um, we did terrible things to Jesus, although we did. But it's Jesus coming and saying, this is what love looks like. And if you ever for a moment doubt that I love you or your neighbor, whatever his sins, whatever his affiliations, you look at this. And then Christianity is going to make what seems to be the most foolish marketing decision ever and makes the cross an instrument of torture. It's symbol. I mean, we put it on top of our churches. Mm -hmm. But why? Not just because, well, that's where we see God's wrath, but because that's where we see God's love. And we say to the world, you want love? Here it is. And Good Friday is the day that says that. And so we're quiet. We're somber. We think about it. You know, this is where, too, Mike, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but historically, Good Friday was one of the days you didn't have communion. Um, it was just a stark, bare, intentionally a preaching service. Um, and you don't even have to, you should not have to write a sermon, so to speak, for Good Friday. Just let it preach itself. Um, hear the words Jesus chooses to speak on the cross. Hear what he chooses to say in those moments. Um, and then marvel that this is the Son of God who does this. Um, you know, I, I think that's especially with Good Friday, something I wish I would have emphasized more is just God's love on, not just to make us feel bad that we killed God, um, but to marvel that God let us kill him because he knew, A, we had to get it out of our system, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, uh, and B, so that we could live. Yeah, that marketing thing, it's not on accident then that the, we just did an episode on the uh, commodification of people and, and the church maybe touched on the church marketing things It's um, and treating people like clients and customers. And it's not a mistake then that those churches that tend to have that business mindset then take the cross out. Um, I, well, no, no, it always starts to take the corpus off first, yep, right? Take the corpus <laughs> off first, and then why yep. do you need the cross right. after that? Yeah, yep. um, it's not. It, you're right. It's not good marketing, but that's the kind of the whole point is that where God's the most hidden, the cross. That's where He's the most revealed, right? And that that a bit of a paradox. And it's precisely where the world will mock us, but it's precisely what Christ tells us to proclaim. Yeah, I wish Saint Paul would have said something about that. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. Anyway, um, I Good Friday just to kind of wrap up, and then we'll go to Easter Sunday. Uh, two things. One is. There's so much imagery there that's just the, so symbolic. You talked about the, the thorns already of Adam and then Jesus Christ. You could talk about the, uh, the tree of Eden and the tree of the cross. I mean, there's just, I mean, there's dozens of those. And you really start to think about Good Friday really is perhaps the richest of all of the um, uh, holidays in the church, or even more so than, and than Christmas and Easter, that there's so much imagery there because it was all about the cross. The whole thing's the cross. Even Easter is a chapter in the story of the cross. And, and I think here's why and, and what you're trying to get at, it's baptismal. Yeah. It, Christ is not the center where he's the center of your life and you dance around him. He pulls you in as a force, a centripetal force kind of thing where he pulls you into this cross. And so it's not Oh, look, I pointed, <laughs> look, I point at the cross and I go, oh, that's sad. And I'm sad because I, I had, I played a part in that, but it's rather Christ saying, come die with me. 
yep. and well, resurrect with me. And when he says, Wade, you mentioned earlier, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's that me, that me that he says right there. That's always, it's a, it's a shocking moment for the church because Christ, God himself is saying, God, the Father, why have you forsaken me? And that should be us saying, why did you forsake me? Why did you forsake Peter, right? Um, and uh, when you hear that, you realize he didn't forsake me. He saved me right there, and the only way to do that was to forsake himself, right? I mean, yeah. so in that moment, you have that that great exchange that is just, I mean, it's just kind of chilling, and that's where I say, again, you get that, it's that pensive joy. It's like, you know I mean? Like, you 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 kind of see this this grief in front of you, and you recognize that this is your, you know, your problem that is that is hanging there, and yet it is your great joy that it's been given to you. So. And so, it's the Palm Sunday prayer answered. Hosanna. Yeah. So uh, Easter Sunday then, um, Peter, why don't you start and we'll go around again. Yeah, I love, um, I love churches that do the tritium. So they have the, um, the Saturday um, Easter vigil and that leads into to Easter Sunday, but that is, you know, an Easter service and you walk that out. Is, I, a service I had not been to for most of my life, but I've really come to appreciate the vigil. Yeah, and I, you know, I kind of, it's with kids, it's not practical, but I kind of wish that, that I would, you know, that our, our church would do it where it actually was, you know, 1201, you know, yeah. you, you know, that's when, that's when you're kind of doing the, you know, happy Easter. He is risen. He's risen indeed. And stuff. But I, yeah, but I get it. It's, you know, like that's not, not practical. I wouldn't be able to be there and a lot of people wouldn't be able to, but that whole idea that you're, that you're building up to it and that you've got this, this one service that goes over three days through Saturday is the idea to Easter and you get to Easter. And obviously that's a, Easter's a lot of fun. We, uh, my family will oftentimes like give up like sugar or something like that for Lent, which is makes it for the so kids. It's kind of self-serving. It is, yeah. Part, yeah. It's but it's fun. It's fun with the kids then because then you have some way to like really market, and they hate it during Lent. But then you get to Easter and it's a lot of fun, and they're you know they're already talking about it today. We're like one week away. It's because it's Palm Sunday today, and so you know like to get to that point, it makes. You know it, what I'm bringing to church on Monday, Thursday? <laughs> sugar cookies. You should. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's a way you can, without with the proper understanding of long gospel there is kind of take back that holiday a little bit and, mm -hmm. and say you know what we're gonna we're gonna easter candy is gonna actually be for easter right um it's hard to push back christmas but it's a little bit easier to push back some of that yeah marketing of easter yeah there's not a lot of i mean you know having having kids not eat you know sugary treats and stuff is never easy mm -hmm. but there's not a lot of kind of uh cultural pressure you know yeah, as so, it was increasing so Pe christmas so peter let me get this right peter gives up uh, sugar for his children and shaving for Lent. He, he's really, he's really, <laughs> really yeah, he is yep. burying a cross there. It's, this is some serious uh, spiritual disciplines there, Peter. It's difficult, but you know, um, persevere. <laughs> Yeah, will, we, we, all, we all suffer Easter Sunday when we when we see him uh, babyface that day. Yeah, that. It's, it's kind of very disturbing. jarring. Yeah. All right, Wade. Um, I'll just say uh, when Easter comes, my my prayer would be pastors um don't point out who's there and who hasn't been there don't be tempted to say see you again on christmas <laughs> people in the pews don't look around and say well why is it full today and not other sundays uh, don't ask if this is a good easter or a bad easter just hear what is said at the beginning of the service um, christ is risen and you've got a good easter and there's people there to hear it and now you are risen too. Um, that resurrection is your spiritual life. That resurrection is your justification. Those are some of the most magnificent words in all the world and history um, that anyone could ever speak. 
Um, and they are as new every day as they were on that first Easter. We spend 364 days of the year living and feeling as if Christ is not risen, searching for hope, searching for meaning, um, searching for life. And the church, we gather on Sunday with whoever's there. I don't care if there's three people and the candles blew out and the organist played off key. Christ is risen, and what do you say back to that? He is risen indeed, and all things are new. And now this whole life is just a little foretaste of the life to come. We killed him, and he's back. And what is he back with? As Peter said earlier, he is back with absolution. And the church is white for our innocence, um, or gold for our victory in him. And that big candle, if your church has that big candle, that's what my elders used to always call it, the big candle. (laughs) That paschal candle is lit, and maybe your church has the custom that it baptisms your baptismal candle is lit off that candle. That resurrection is your life. So put everything else on hold and just hear those words and know that the world is never the same or it ought not be the same because Christ is risen and that's your life. And then hear that absolution proclaimed from the risen Christ who wears those wounds we gave him now as trophies and not simply trophies for um, himself, but as our trophies, we have now been taken into um, those wounds. And uh, and just have a good Easter. Be forgiven. Um, have life. Uh, whatever your issues with your marriage or your kids or your job has been, look at the people sitting there with you and just know you are new and they are new. And every day you're new in baptism, which gives you that resurrection. Um, and it's really... Um, the axis on which the Christian world turns this new life. Yeah, maybe to close it out, just uh, two things, maybe more, like you said, advice to pastors is is connected to baptism and don't worry about the people who are not baptized, who are, don't believe in infant baptism or whatever. Don't worry about that. That's more of an, in our head than it is out there. Uh, teach the connection of baptism because that makes the resurrection of Jesus Christ your resurrection, right? And a day-to-day resurrection uh, and also connected to the resurrection at the end of time. And so really you, it's more than just, oh, this is for you because you too are going to rise. There's, there's a disconnect there. But if you're baptized into him, it becomes quite personal. And then the second thing is um, preach it with confidence a little bit. Um, like, where, oh, death is your victory. Where, oh, death is your sting. This is this emotional having gone through um, a, a rough year probably for a lot of people, uh, maybe beaten down. They got a lot of worries, um, whatever it's going to be, economic or um, whatever it is, um, to, to point your finger at death and the devil and say no is a, is a pretty powerful, passionate thing. And I'm thinking about a person who is beaten down with, you know, just keeping it together and maybe a tear in their eye, pointing their finger at uh, this world, death, um, and the devil and say, you can't have me, I belong to another, is pretty powerful stuff. Um, and that's a way you can make it personal through baptism and then that confidence of, you know what, you've beaten me down, uh, devil world, and, and death is always looming, but I belong to another, you can't have me. So, And I think with that, you know... Um, we, should do, we should do an episode on how to uh, preach at a sermon, or at a funeral, because I think that, that that's mm-hmm. something that's missing, and it, it's, well... 
go ahead. But I think just to get back to that, Christ has risen, he has risen indeed at the beginning of the service. Um, pastors especially, but pastors and lay people, um, you ever like had like a fancy dinner and they give you sorbet and it's supposed to like cleanse your palate? <clears throat> when the service starts and you say he has risen, he has risen indeed, um, let that be your sorbet. And your palate is cleansed. Lent is now behind you. Um, whatever has been on you is behind you. And then pastors take a deep breath after you've said that and they've replied. And, uh, and know that you've just given the best sermon ever written, and then in, enjoy the rest. Um, people in the pews or pastor, take a hymn off and just listen. Let uh, Christ sing to you through his people. Um, hear those wonderful Easter hymns and, and say for me. And then pastors, the temptation, every sermon should be law gospel. But just swing with the gospel and let it keep hitting. Just pummel them with gospel Christ is risen. This is the do not be afraid day. Um, just smother them with the love of Christ and God. And uh, and if anything's going to bring them back, that will. And, and, you know, you'll have plenty of other weeks to get at them. Hopefully we pray. Uh, but just the sermon is just kind of the, now you're basking in the sun. The best sermon is, is how the service begins. And, and then just... Uh, Go, you know, have an hour of joy out of that first refrain. Well, I think that's pretty good. We're uh, at about 37 minutes, so we should probably wrap it up. We hope that you will have a very thoughtful, um, a very um, decent, um, I hear, hope that you hear the gospel, all that kind of stuff for your Holy Week. I hope that you're able to enjoy your family, that you in the freedom of what God, or the grace of what God has given you, that you really enjoy your freedom um, this Holy Week and uh, in the future. And so we hope that you'll come back and listen again. Until then, let the bird fly. Every evening when the sun goes down, get my party and I begin to cry. I don't care what the people are thinking. I'm not drunk, I'm just a jank. I set them up, another round. I set them up, another round. I set them up. Another round, one more round, get me down. Came home last night, all full of lush. My babe began to fuss, and I said, honey, I don't care what people are thinking.